to know that I had to continue life without him was really more than I could take. For six months, literally could not say to God, God, if you choose, you may take him. When Vivian and I went in 2005, people opened up to us mm -hmm. about the war, and they would start well, telling us... Well, they did us, that when we started sharing Yeah, when we shared story, our wow. story about having lost a spouse, then they would just say, oh, and they would just start sharing their grief with us. And so that became a big part of what we did, mm -hmm. is that we, we became a safe person for them to share their grief with. There was a time where we can say, this is when we turned the corner. I had to live for my three children, and I think sometimes people choose to live in their grief because they're going to be unfaithful to the person that died if they decide to move on in life, which then be makes that person become an idol in your life. Hey everybody, I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. My name is Mitch Schultz. I'm your host. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Hey, here's what's up today. We're going to discuss what happens when someone close to you, uh, someone you've committed your life to serve Jesus with, you, you're dedicated together to be on mission together, to just give your life in service to Jesus, and that person is no longer with you. Uh, being a pastor or really being in any kind of vocational ministry, and I want you to think about this, it's different than any other job in the world in that it really takes both of you, you and your spouse, uh, to be able to do it well. Uh, this is why you'll often hear people say that when a pastor is called into ministry, his wife is called to it as well. A little personal disclosure here. Just going to let you in a little bit on some personal background stuff in my life. When I was dating my wife, Elaine, 36, 37 years ago, uh, she knew when we met that I had committed my life to serve Jesus overseas. That was kind of the goal, heading towards overseas missions. And she understood that a commitment to me would also mean a commitment to that. So do you know what she did? She broke up with me. Pretty harsh, huh? I'm actually glad she did because she needed to make sure that this was a journey that she could also travel. And after about two weeks of being broken up, I was devastated, wondering what I was going to do my, with my life. She concluded this, I know I can live with that guy for the rest of my life, but I also know that I can go with him anywhere and do whatever he does. So we got back together again, and we've been serving together now for over uh, 34 years. I'm excited today to sit down with Mark and Vivian Shady, who are going to share how the call of God on their lives to serve him was not only recaptured in loss, and boy, did they experience some tremendous loss in their life, but it was also something that was strengthened as the gospel pushed its way through the grief and dominated their lives again. The gospel embraced them in their grief. Mark and Vivian have been married for over 14 years, and together they have a total of five children. They currently serve as international workers with the Christian and Missionary Alliance in Bosnia-Herzegovina, and I was blessed to meet with them just one day before their return to that location. And they're going to talk to us about what happens to that call in loss and in grief. So Mark and Viv, thanks so much for being part of this. You guys are here for one more day, and you're going back to where, Mark? We're going back to Mostar, Bosnia-Herzegovina. 
Okay, and you guys have been here for a couple weeks and special occasion. Right. What was that? Right. Well, we had a, a daughter that had a baby, and so we came to take care of her, and then uh, another daughter announced that she was expecting. Oh, while she was there. That's amazing. Right. That's amazing. I still often imagine myself having to travel overseas and not being around grandchildren. Everybody that knows me knows I adore my grandchild and so I admire and feel for you guys because I know this is not easy having to uh, come and go. So the other day I grabbed you and said, man, before you leave, I'd like to interview you guys and not so much talk about Bosnia and your ministry there, but you guys, you guys have an amazing story uh, as a couple uh, with your marriage and we'll get into that a little bit. But Bosnia, uh, how long have you been there, Mark? Uh, first went uh, 17 years ago this month. Okay. So um, my first wife and I, Libby, uh, we went to Bosnia with our two girls. And um, uh, yeah, that was 17 years ago. Okay, you've just given away a little bit of the theme of today when you talked about your first wife. So that's good because we've piqued some curiosity of the listeners here who don't know you. Uh, so I'm sure you did that on purpose, Mark. <laughs> I went to Bosnia a number of years ago, and it was probably the harshest uh, mission field that I've seen. Um, I know that you've told me a few times, Mark, that there are very few believers in Bosnia. What's the landscape like in terms of uh, ratio of Christians and people who aren't Christians? Yeah, the, the evangelical church in Bosnia is very small. It really only had its start uh, at the end of the Civil War that happened in the early 90s. So we have um, a membership of about 350 in the whole country of, oh of uh, three and a half million people. That's amazing. Um, there are some other independent and Baptist churches, but total evangelical believers in the country number uh, less than 800 uh, in in that setting. That's unbelievable. That's when you look at how many people attend a local church here in the States, that's how many believers you have in the entire country. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, the church we went to this Sunday had uh, well over the total number of evangelical believers in Bosnia. It's good to be. Wow. Wow. Well, I'd, I'd love to, maybe another time we can talk about that, but we're here to talk about uh, your family and your marriage because, again, you, you come uh, with a, an amazing story. And one that I, I shared with you before I hit record here, that, and we prayed together and we talked about how uh, your story, uh, well, really just pray that your story would be an encouragement to a lot of people. Uh, I talk a lot about resilience, and certainly you are an example of a couple who relied a lot on resilience and I know that came from the strength that the Lord Jesus offers. So let's start with this question here. How many years have you been married, Vivian, to Mark? 14 years. 14 years. October. Okay, and how old is your oldest child? Just turned 30. Okay, I'm not really good at math, but I'm good enough that something doesn't quite add up here. So Mark, you made reference to uh, a first wife, and um, I know that for both of you, and I knew both of you before uh, this all happened, uh, life was generally good. You were settled in your families and on the mission field, uh, but something happened. I'm just going to open up here for each of you. you. You both experienced your own tragedy, did not know each other, and in an amazing way, your lives came together. So, Mark, you tell us first what, what happened, where were you, and just uh, we'd love to hear the story. Well, uh Libby and I were in Bosnia-Herzegovina. We'd been there two and a half years, just finished up language study, getting started in ministry. I was teaching at a local Bible school, 
and uh, Libby was doing some teaching and some women's work and so on too and uh, she wasn't feeling well and um, flu-like symptoms and we finally just got so bad we went to the doctor and and these are routine things that we all experience, and you assume yeah, it's just, a, we just assume, a normal I mean, illness. Goodness, you know, we weren't that old, um, mm-hmm. 35 then. And um, so we went to the doctor, and he said, you have cancer. You need to return to the United States as soon as possible. Um, within two days, she was on a plane back to uh, here to Georgia, and... Um, Within two weeks from the initial diagnosis, she 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 died died of uh, of her cancer. So two weeks after being diagnosed, yes. she yeah. passed away. And she actually died on her thirty sixth birthday, which was Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. So and that was um, yeah, that was fifteen years ago. All right. The question I have here, I talked to someone the other day about this. They had shared with me loss. I, I think their spouse had died, and I asked the question. I said, "How how did you survive?" Mm-hmm. And and their mm-hmm. instinctive answer, which is a common answer, I, I always wonder if there's a little bit more that people could share. Uh, maybe they haven't probed deep enough in their own grief process, but uh, the instinctive answer was, "Well, you have no choice but just to, you know, to move on." Um, that's how you move on. That's the choice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, Mark, how did you, as you look at your situation, what uh, what, well, what made I mean, you keep going? I mean, initially, you you have to keep going because you, know, you well, I had children. Um, the dream, the the call to ministry was still there. Um, I was even looking at going back to Bosnia Herzegovina. So shortly after she short, passed away, yeah, because okay. that, that well, it's your career, changed. isn't it? I mean, yeah, what well, that's that's what you were doing. What I prepared for all my life, mm-hmm. you know, and um, both of us, we prepared for that all our lives. But um, you know, there's a point where you have to recognize, too, um, that God's not surprised by this, mm-hmm. and um, circumstances. I mean, death, tragedy, um, it forces you to reevaluate everything. Um, motives, um, why we do what we do, um, even our call to ministry, I suppose. Um, yeah, you realize how wrapped up your call is together. You know, it's it's yeah. not it's not an individual yeah. call. Um, yeah, because we we had prepared together. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah, the, the 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 notion of one flesh is is really a powerful image. Mm-hmm. And then, isn't it when well, yeah, your call and is challenged even, and your vocations affected? Yeah, in the sense of being one. I mean, I realized that more so after after Libby died than even before because uh, it hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you sensed that something was missing. It was a, a physical pain. Yeah. Mm. So. Um, yeah, and so that's all wrapped up together, and, and part of it, you're just kind of in shock. You're just trying to trying to make sense of life, um, uh, not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. Vivian, offline earlier, you were saying that yeah, you do have a choice, uh, and I think what you were implying that there's a choice that is not as healthy. Um, right. I mean, there there was a choice, and I think for both for both Mark and me. That there was a time where we can say, this is when we turned the corner. Mm. Um, I had to live for my three children. And and I think sometimes people choose to live in their grief because they're 
they're going to be unfaithful to the person that died mm. if they decide to move on in life, which then makes that person become an idol in your life. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel like you're if you're if you're having a good day, you feel guilty. guilty. I've heard I've heard of this. I experienced this myself with the loss of our son. Uh, which is a fascinating. I mean, psychology there is fascinating, but it, it's interesting how that's the, that's the the normal reaction. That uh, hey, if I if I have a string of good days at the end of it, it's like, uh, what, am I allowed to? Uh, right. Is that it's almost like that's at the expense of the the one who has died. Right. Um, so, Mark, uh, you since Libby came to Georgia to get treated, she died here. Then you stayed here. Uh, yes, uh, uh, Libby's uh, father. Libby's father was a pastor at a local church here in Tacoa, and so um, my girls and I were living with with them, uh, with with uh, her parents, um, and uh, so yeah. So we based uh, based out of their home mm-hmm. uh, while we were while we were we were here, and. Um, I was planning to go back to Bosnia um, and had received even some preliminary permission from our organization to do so. And my in-laws were a little concerned mm-hmm. about me going back by myself and, of course, taking their grandchildren there. Yeah. And so... It's, it's interesting that often denominations are more uh, willing to send uh women who have lost a spouse than men and there are all sorts of reasons uh, for that but uh, uh, you were you were entertaining the, the possibility well I was on. definitely entertaining the possibility because for me um, uh, my connections my network in Bosnia Herzegovina were actually stronger than mm-hmm. here yeah you know before we went to Bosnia we had pastor church out in Arkansas so mm-hmm. uh, we didn't have really any uh, we had fami- uh, family connections here in Tacoa, but uh, and some friends, but no really deep. Yeah, relationships. part part of the part of the entering a new phase of healing is like okay, now now what do I do? Yeah, you know, once the dust is settled and and things are beginning to see, see you know feel a bit better, you start to ask, okay, now now what am I going to do with my life? All right, let's uh, we'll come back to that, and and you know because we've done some prep work here that we're going to come back and talk about the. Uh, the, the the dynamic of the call and relationship to grief and and what do you do with that and that there's already given us a little teaser there that uh, there was something pulling you back to the mission to the gospel and, and when we talk about I'll say this now because this is so important to me as I minister to people who grieve is is the gospel is the answer uh, the gospel is where we lean and into when we grieve but the gospel is also what pushes us because that's the bigger thing you know uh, relationships are important they they're they're all we have but when they're lost we 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 where we land is often that yes but i i still have my commitment to jesus which is uh, eternal and we're gonna get back to that because i think that's going to be an important point so vivian uh, tell us your story. Where were you and what happened? Well, I was uh, married to Matt, and uh, we actually were high school sweethearts, so we started dating at, at 16 and uh, dated five years, and we're married 17 years. And you were both missionary children, right. and this was in Dalat School, yes. Malaysia. Yes, Matt grew up in, in Malaysia as a, as a missionary kid whose parents were teachers there. 
And uh, we went back to serve at DeLotte School as dorm parents. And in our sixth year, um, Matt developed some, again, like flu-like symptoms and uh, was diagnosed um, with melanoma, which is the same cancer that uh, Libby was diagnosed with. And you know, now like, was this the same time as Libby's? Uh, so what's the time spread here? About, about 15, 15 months before okay. Libby passed away. Oh, your your story was My 15 story months before Mark's. starts okay. first, yes. And so we uh, we had to leave the mission field, and um, yeah, his was brain. Uh, most of it was was in the brain. Well, it had completely metastasized mm. by the time mm. they diagnosed mm. him. But uh, he lived six and a half months after after being diagnosed, um, which was, in some sense, a very precious time in our marriage. Um, but it was the hardest time. Mm, mm. Yeah. I had never, I had never been single mm. since I was 16. And um, to know that I had to continue life um, without him um, was really more than I could take. And I, for six months, literally could not say to God, God, if you choose, you you may take him. And mm. I had three children, uh, seven, 11, and, and 13, uh, 14. And um, I didn't know how I was going to live by myself. And God was so gracious that he allowed me to come to the point where I could surrender Matt before Matt passed away, mm. and and as Matt was just about to go in a coma, that I was able to tell Matt that I was releasing him, mm. and and to me that was that was really God's grace. Mm. Do you both remember some of the last conversations you had with each of your spouse before they passed away? I do, I do. I re- I remember Matt saying. Um, we, we didn't talk about his death because he knew that I could not talk about it. But one conversation shortly before he died, he said, Vivian, I'm not afraid to die. And I mm. said to him, of course you're not. You're going to see Jesus. It's me you're leaving behind. Yeah. Yeah. You know." Mm. And he said, that's what I'm worried mm. about. Mm. The listeners won't know. We're, we'll uh, share a little bit later in the podcast my connection to all of this. But uh, Matt was a very good friend of mine. And... Uh, some of the conversations we had towards the end, he was more, and it's so natural, uh, more concerned about missing kids' graduation, missing weddings. I'm like, Matt, where you're going to be, it's probably not going to matter, but this is, you know, the only perspective we have right here of this the- is from here. So even, even the person at the end of this life, this is, this is our, our way of, of reacting to it. We have no other way. Uh, we're human, and we, we face death in a very human way. Um, so you both, uh, 15 months later, uh, you're in Tacoa and Mark lands into the scene and this is when two hurting, breaking worlds kind of come together and this is redemptive. Uh, this is where the story has a little bit of an uplift and tell us, Mark, how you both met and just some of the maybe drama surrounding that. Um, you're both... In the same town, they experience the same thing. You're both missionaries mm-hmm. attending yeah. the same church. I'm sure there's some old women in the church that are starting to to uh, chatter about possibilities here. <laughs> well, I'll interject with that because I 
I had this conversation with God several times mm-hmm. about uh, not wanting to live by myself. And, and um, the Lord said, well, you know, if I'm going to call you to be single, are you willing to do that? And I said, yes, I'm never, never going to want to be outside of your will because I know that's the only place I'm safe. But, you know, God, I really want another person in mm. my life, but I don't have the wisdom to know where to look. Mm. So I said, you're just going to have to land them in my lap. But I said, I need to find somebody by this summer, and I need to be married by October. Mm. Pretty, pretty had, demanding, huh? Why I had that in my mind, <laughs> I'm not really quite sure. And it got to be the beginning of May, and it was almost like I had to remind the Lord mm. again, Lord, summer's coming, and you haven't really sent me anybody mm. yet to get to know. Well, it was just an invitation for him to move, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like he really needed my help. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I first met Vivian... I first met Vivian um, actually the day Libby died. She came over with her parents to, to greet uh, hmm. us, greet my in-laws, because uh, uh, Vivian was close to my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law had helped her uh, walk her through her grief when, hmm. her, when Matt died. Um, that was kind of a blur um, for me, uh, of course. Um, but, you know, a few months later... As I'm planning to go back to Bosnia, my in-laws start saying I ought to go meet some other people. Uh, and being a pastor of Specifically a large... Specifically ladies. Did they have ladies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and being a pastor of a larger church, uh, they had a list of names mm-hmm. of uh, potential... Now, let, let's, let's imagine the difficulty for them. Um, they were... She was an only child. Yes. Her only yes. daughter, only child has died. And that must have been a commitment for them to say, Mark, go and... Yeah, it's almost it, like they, it was, were, they were needing to release you. Yes, it, I mean, it was difficult for them. Um, they were concerned about their grandchildren. They were concerned mm. about me. Um, and they were thinking, hey, look, uh, probably a good idea if Mark had somebody else. Um, so they had this list of names, and they started talking to me about them. And, and Vivian's on this list. Yeah, on the top or on the top, top, top of the of list, course, top of the list. And I, I said immediately, "You gotta be crazy. She's got three kids, you know." Um, and I'd heard horror stories about blended families, and um, wasn't too sure that was um, the best thing. Um, but interestingly. Um, my, my father-in-law had, of course, experience as a missionary missionary himself, both both he and his wife. And um, they they told me, they said, you know, we, we know a number of occasions where a widower um, married a single person. Mm-hmm. And it often became a problem because the, the new wife was threatened by the memories of the first wife mm-hmm. and uh, the the new mom uh, was threatened by the children's memories of their mm-hmm. real real mother and he he said to me he says mark uh, vivian will understand when you miss your wife and she'll understand when your kids miss their mom and uh, that's true um and it's proven to be true uh, for both of us mm. um that was a real wise uh, thing. 
Yeah, it set some parameters early on that, that, yeah. that helped to guide you in that process yeah. of, uh, of of looking to to the next relationship. Yes, and yes, and so my um, my I went to celebrate my fifteenth year as the son-in-law of the Harveys, John and Ruth, and um, they gave me a gift to take uh, Vivian out. <laughs> yeah, so oh Vivian my was my my. Uh, anniversary gift my goodness um uh, but it took me a while to work up the nerve to ask her out um so one day um vivian is talking to ruth on the phone and ruth says to her hey uh just so you know uh mark uh, mark has been wanting to ask you out but um he <laughs> sounds he, very he's junior little, high doesn't yeah it? <laughs> he's a little ner- nervous about it <laughs> Well, then she proceeded to tell me that she had told Vivian this. <laughs> I, I don't think this is meddling at all, is yeah. it? Oh, but she was meddling. Big immediately, I knew that that was the one God had mm. for me. Immediately. Mm. Had you been looking at Mark yourself and, and imagining the possibility when he, when you arrived here? and or when Well, you I mean, people and, were already talking about, yeah. you know, oh, you should get with Mark. You're crazy as two children, you mm. know. But when I said to the Lord, I don't have wisdom to know where to look, mm. immediately, and I go into this verse date like it's going into marriage. Mm. Well, I didn't realize till a long time later, Mark didn't quite go into this first date that mm. way, but it gave him the courage by the end of the week to say, yes, this is what I want, you know. So you went into it. Cautiously. With, with cautiously, Mark. <laughs> well, I went in cautiously. I mean, I was still trying to figure out, I was still trying to figure out, you know, what was going on? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, you have to understand this is only five months. Yeah, after yeah. I was going to say it's away. more recent for you than yeah, it was very so, recent. Mm-hmm. It was more recent, uh, but for me, I had this timeline thinking, you know, I had to return to Bosnia at some point, and because um, that that call was really strong in my mm-hmm. heart, um, and wanting to get some sort of stability in our lives. Um, so that there, there was some pressure there on that regard, um, but initially I was thinking, well, we'll just see how this goes. But Vivian, Vivian already sensed that this was the right thing, um, and that um, um, that actually helped me, I think, um, uh, commit to the relationship. I have to laugh because Mark is the type of person that will take 15 minutes to look at a menu, not knowing what to order, and the biggest decision of his life, he you know, yeah. did just like that, <laughs> which I didn't realize yeah, this until nice. I started to really get to know yeah, him. Nice. All right, so you guys proceeded to date, and how long until an engagement happened? Uh, we proceeded to date and uh, actually got married five months later. Five months later, yeah. yeah. So we were mm-hmm. engaged within three months, and then mm-hmm. two. So it was, it was very, it was very, very quick. So it was, it very was quick. almost a year uh, from Libby's death, and um, and you know it, it was one of those things uh, we we knew uh, that God was in it. Um, God, he confirmed it a number of times. I mean, sometimes. through people, through people, through godly people, through uh, just prayer and seeking God's will in this, and it was very clear that this was the right thing. Well, so uh, let's talk a little bit about bringing the two families together. I, I know that you must have put some thought into what that would look like. You've got uh, two kids, three kids, personalities 
different from each other. Uh, how did you prepare for that, and what was that like when you came together? Well, I mean, it was a good thing that uh, we knew God was drawing us together, uh, Vivian and I, and, um, and God confirmed that over and over again. Uh, I mean, blending blending family is is difficult. There's no there's no it's never never that. seamless, is it? No, I mean, because you got kids from different experiences, different backgrounds, different ways of doing family. I mean, and they're grieving. They're grieving. And they're their grieving, mm-hmm. and they're missing their mother or their father. And they need their mom and their dad. And mom and dad are now a little bit distracted i mean as much right. as you're probably of trying to avoid that there's right. something unavoidable about right. that you have a new love and yeah we're newlyweds and, with uh with five children mm-hmm. so um yeah it, I mean, it was a challenge um, how long did it take until it f- began to feel like there was a rhythm or did did you ever get to that point it actually really helped that we we went back overseas because when the kids came home for Christmas and summer, mm-hmm. it was just us. Mm-hmm. And you could see every single time that it got better and better and better. Because they, and the, better. the children went to boarding school. Right. When, okay. Right. Okay. And, and so it That's interesting. Was just, I can imagine. just our family for mm-hmm. all these vacations. Yeah. Nice. And we did a lot of things together as a family. Mm-hmm. We visited our children in, in, their, in their schools, and that was important. Um, that they know that they knew uh, that they were a priority to us mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I took some time um, but we look now at our latest family gathering at one of our weddings when all of our us were together everyone wants to be together um, so uh, when all what 16 of us were together I mean it was quite a zoo. But how, how how long did it take before the children began to refer to the step parent as mom and dad? Was that uh, a, a different for each one of them? Probably it's different for each one. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they all do, don't they? Uh, no, a couple of them still mm-hmm. uh, refer to me as Mark, mm-hmm. and uh, we told them early on that was okay. You know, we, we but they refer to us as their parents, mm-hmm. though. Yes, yes. Yeah. So if yes. they introduce yeah. us, they'll yeah. say these That's are my healthy. parents. Yeah. That's healthy. Mm-hmm. It you was, gave them space. Yeah. There, right. there yeah. was no demands. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. The youngest two kids right away. I mean, Max, uh, Vivian's son, referred to me as dad. Wanted and actually said to me, "My my dad called me buddy. I want you to call me buddy too." Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's as a what a seven year old or yeah he, he was, was nine 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 then. nine then. It was really cute. And uh, my daughter Esther referred to Vivian as mom right away. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, they were the two youngest. They really n- needed that sort of identification mm-hmm. right away. Uh, it was a little harder for the older girls uh, to make that switch, um, um, but you know, it's interesting now. You know, well, even the past several years, uh, Vivian's oldest two daughters. Um, uh, Will will contact me when there's something that a dad needs to take care mm. of. So, mm. you know, they don't refer to me as dad. Um, that's something they they reserve for their dad, mm-hmm. and that's okay. You know, we we're, we're okay with that. Um, it sounds very healthy uh, the way it's ended. I know I know getting there was was hard. It took a lot of patience. You uh, I knew you both through that process. You were very patient. You gave space. 
you, one of the things that was healthy, and this could be an encouragement to other families going through this, is that each of you respected the other's need to be with their own family at times in certain moments and to grieve and to celebrate the the spouse they had right, died right. To, together as a family right. without, the, without demanding we, the other family to right. necessarily the times be part that of was that the too. anniversary of the death those were the days mm-hmm. you know of our own yeah biological children yeah. that we did something S- together yes. yeah so um i mean vivian would go out to a special meal just her and her original children mm-hmm. um, on those anniversary dates, like a death mm-hmm. uh, yeah. date. Yeah, I think sometimes uh, other uh, some parents will force the other kids. No, uh, to, no, we we would never fit into the rhythm of celebrating and. Well, I think that was a, you know a, a private grief that we mm-hmm. needed to do. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's good. But we still, you know, I mean, Mark and I, we celebrate each other's anniversaries. Yeah. So if it's my anniversary with Matt, you know, he often buys me a gift. And if it's his anniversary with Libby, I often do something special for him. Well, one of the things I'd love to do at the end of the podcast, I always give my email address, uh, which is beforeyouquit.us, and we'll remind everybody again of that. And if they want to contact you and talk to you, perhaps some families are going through similar things, you both would be willing to interact with people. Yes. Yes, yeah, so they can contact you, and you can you can have them contact you. Yeah, us. it would have been really awkward if you said no right now to that question. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think I gave you much choice, did I? Well, we actually see that this is this has become a lot of our ministry. Mm, mm, is is uh, you know the scripture that says grieve with those who grieve and that really mm-hmm. well really I has know that. I can imagine in Bosnia being war torn and a lot of loss and death that uh, you both going Mark you going back and taking Vivian with you and having this as uh, your story uh, must have become oh yeah a way I to mean, to serve when Libby and I first went in two thousand um, people didn't talk about the war it was. Uh, and we didn't feel free to ask, um, but when Vivian and I went in 2005, um, people opened up to us mm-hmm. about the war, and they would start. Well, telling they did us, that when we started sharing. Yeah, when our we story. shared about our wow. story about having lost a spouse, then they would just say, "Oh," and they would just start sharing their grief with us, and so that became a big part of what we did. Mm-hmm. Is that we we became a safe person for them to share their grief with and we would mourn with them and grieve with them but at the same time point them to the hope uh, that is available through Jesus Christ uh, the wow. hope and the peace and the grace that that is available through Jesus Christ and, and that uh, God is a God of comfort and for me a, a very important verse was in in, uh, uh, in Corinthians where it says may the God of all comfort comfort you in your trials just and, and and that became a big part of what we do, is comforting others in, in their trials. Do you have a story of, of someone, perhaps, that you met, and your story became a, a significant contact point with them? Yeah, we have a, a couple right down the street from us. Um, um, husband and wife. Uh, the husband has since passed away. He was our neighborhood drunk. Um, and... They had lost a, a daughter. Their daughter uh, was killed by a grenade. Uh, One of the very last grenades to mm. fall in the war. My goodness. Uh, and uh, she she was actually on her way to catechism when she was killed. 
Uh, and so, of course, that rocked their family. But when we shared our story with them, they began to share their story with us, and it developed a relationship. And um, and we were able to share the gospel very clearly with them. Uh, the husband uh, died of cancer here recently. And, but we uh, saw a real softening but, in his mm, heart before mm, he passed away. Mm. And uh, Vivian got to share the gospel with him very clearly. And then since he died... Um, Vivian has become just a very close personal friend uh, with this new widow because mm-hmm. Vivian understood mm-hmm. she understands what that's like uh, and so we've been able to share with her and encourage her well we've talked a lot of how the the response in Bosnia to the gospel has been minimal and uh, still is not not much to talk about uh but god is using your story to oh definitely uh build definitely. bridges and right. have conversations right. and and really talk about hope after this life which right. people there need right um mark i know that going back with a a different spouse must have raised some eyebrows there um talk to us a little bit about what yeah. that was like particularly for people that had not heard what had happened well i mean people in our neighborhood didn't know uh, I mean, uh, Libby and I left suddenly. It happened we, quickly. We, we mm-hmm. went to the doctor one day, the next day we were on our way out. So uh, when I came back with uh, Vivian, we were walking. We lived in a different neighborhood, and we were walking in the neighborhood where I had lived with Libby. Uh, and we passed by this little store. And, and it's obvious we're together. We're holding yes, hands yes. outside. Yeah, we're holding hands. We're walking down the street. And there's this little store there where Libby and I had bought a, a sewing machine. And so we just walked in to <laughs> greet greet this person. And the, and the, the shopkeeper says to me, uh, so how is your wife? <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh-huh. I'm standing there holding hands with wife number two. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. And so we... We explained the story and went on our way. And afterwards, I was thinking, how many other people in this neighborhood uh, think I? I, I you left? suddenly left without with one and came back yeah, with another. another. And you 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 volunteer that information up front, <laughs> or do you wait till it comes up? And uh, we had never really thought about it until yeah, that we particular incident. Yeah, yeah you went yes. back to the same yes. same place. Yeah, familiar yeah. people, yeah. familiar place. Well, let's talk so, a little bit about, again, you you went back to uh, overseas intercultural ministry. And what's intriguing to me, again, when we talk about the role of the gospel and in, in healing, uh, this, in a sense, the call was part of your healing, wasn't it? Uh, so what I'm, what I'm interested in having you both talk a little bit about is how, how do you, how does the, maybe there's two ways to look at this. How, how does the gospel push through the grief or that call to serve God, and in your case, to vocational ministry overseas. And how does it push through that grief and again begin to shape your perception of what's next and what God wants? Or, or how do you go back and, and grab it and embrace it again? What, what was that like yeah. for you? Well, I, I think for, for us, there, there is, we, we touched on this earlier, there is a decision uh, to trust God. Um, it's a commitment. It's a commitment. Mm-hmm. It's a commitment that even um, death, even suffering, sorrow, uh, doesn't change the fact that God is good and that God uh, has his hand in our lives. Uh, he gives, he takes away, as the song says. Uh, and we we have to trust him. Mm. Uh, so uh, once you make that 
decision, um, it's really not that complicated. Mm. Um, I mean, our calling hasn't changed. Um, sometimes it looks a little different. The type of ministry we do looks a little different. Who you do it with? Who we was right. it with? <laughs> yeah, and that, I mean, that took a while to mm. us for us to figure out because our ministry looked different together. Mm. Uh, Vivian and my ministry looks different together than Libby and mine. And, and like many pastors and missionaries, you you a husband and wife will meet in the context of that call that, that yeah. you you met perhaps at college or in your case high school, but. Uh, that that for my wife and I was very important that we both sense this calling to mm-hmm. serve in, in vocational ministry, and um, so it shaped it. It was part of your identity as a couple. Oh yeah, yeah. And so we had to, we had to figure out again. We, it's kind of like a transformed identity. I mean, mm-hmm. Vivian and I together, but it's um, we've developed a ministry together. Um, one of of course, I went back to work at the Bible school. Uh, Vivian helps me there, um, and she's really involved in women's ministries. Got a lot of these women, of course, widows and uh, women who are facing even marriage struggles. And so Vivian, having her story of grief, is able to uh, point them to hope in mm-hmm. the midst of all that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, the ministry looks a little different, and certainly her ministry is different than it was in Malaysia, where she and Matt, Matt were. Uh, yeah, it was most radical. The change was in some way yeah. more radical for, yes. for Vivian. Right, yes. right. Yeah. And a big part of our ministry, of course, is to our children. I mean, that doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, just because we're serving overseas in Bosnia-Herzegovina, um, doesn't mean we're no longer involved in the lives of our children. I mean, our children are all married. Uh, they're all having kids. Uh, we're very much committed to, to investing. Yeah. In, well, in the very fact too. that you come home every time there's a grandchild born is, well, yeah. is testimony. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we every time there's one born, another one announces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be back and see <laughs> you yeah. in nine months. Vivian. <laughs> right. Yeah, and we don't want to have any regrets. Yeah. Well, about, you both have you done. Know. I know your family well, and your your children are all following Christ and uh, committed to you both. And I hear them sometimes tell the story and with some pride. And God has shown Himself faithful to them Absolutely. through this. I mean, there's something there's something about uh, you know the faithfully serving Jesus and suffering, which is just another reminder that Jesus came to suffer on our behalf. And um, and we don't just follow His example; we we lean on what He did, and mm-hmm. it's our, our ability. So the question we we asked earlier is how how do you do it? It's more than just well you have no other choice. You do it for Jesus because he came here and suffered for us. Yeah. And so that when we have painful experiences like this, we're reminded again of the gospel. Yeah. And then you tell the story to others and the the door opens in their hearts for yeah. to hear the gospel and yeah. hear what Jesus did by looking at your brokenness. Right. Well, in some sense you you waste your pain. Yeah. If you don't mm, use it for God's mm, glory. Mm. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, Paul said, you know, we participate in the sufferings of Christ. And uh, our pain story is part of participating in the sufferings mm-hmm. of Christ. That's a great point. And, Wonderful. And it's out of that that the gospel is demonstrated. Mm-hmm. I mean, if life was going smoothly, uh, the gospel doesn't have as much meaning. Mm-hmm. 
but when when life really throws you a curve and uh, is bumpy and messed up, hit a home run and, and when it throws the, you the, a curve. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the the gospel is is powerful because mm-hmm. it it overcomes yeah. all those things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and valuing that pain is the old. Uh, actually, actually, I saw this in a in a TV show. A, a statement it grabbed me. Uh, the person said, "I can't get rid of this pain, but I make room for it." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In your case, you make room yeah. for it, but it also becomes a, a critical component to your life and, and your testimony. Well, this has been wonderful, and again, I know I know people will be encouraged by your story, and I know you're willing to interact with people that uh, perhaps are going through this, and or know someone who who is going through it. And uh, we might uh, want to let out the cat out of the bag here, Vivian. People that might not know us, uh, we we've known each other for a long time. And what's our connection again? Well, I think you're my brother. I think you're my sister. <laughs> you're right. Yes. <laughs> So I know your story very well. In fact, I I am the one that introduced Matt to you. Yes, you are. And I think I'm the one that had to give permission uh, to Matt to even take you on that first date. Did he have to ask you? He had to ask me, and I took a while before I said yes, because I had to trust the guy first. (laughs) So, well, thank you so much uh, for coming and being part of this, and love you guys, and thank you for your awesome testimony. You did a good job in sharing that today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Before You Quit. And, uh, hey, if you have any comments or questions, please email me. You can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us, mitch at beforeyouquit.us. I'd encourage you again to look at our website, beforeyouquit.us, www.beforeyouquit.us, or look us up on Facebook. And uh, just check out more of what we have there. I've got a lot of blogs, other podcasts on the Before You Quit website as well. We also are on iTunes and Google Play. So until next week, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember again what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, be encouraged.